Praise the Lord. If you brought a Bible, I'm going to ask you to go with me to two portions of Scripture. We're going to begin in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 51 and verse 3. And then we're going to go to the book of Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. Isaiah chapter 51. We're going to focus on verse 3, but we'll go ahead and read verse 1, 2, and 3 this morning. As we begin a new sermon series this morning, uh, as we prepare for the holidays, Thanksgiving is just a few days away, Christmas after that, uh, we start thinking about home, we start thinking about family, and I believe God is thinking about your home, and God is thinking about your family, and uh, he wants to speak to us over the next couple of Sundays about the home, and so I want to share with you this sermon series we're going to entitle it The Homemaker, because God is the homemaker. You know that there is no home like the home where God dwells. And that is God's desire for each one of our homes and each one of our lives. And here in Isaiah chapter 51, verse 1 through 3, we'll see the heart of God for the home. He says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who gave birth to you in pain. When he was but one, I called him, then I blessed him and multiplied him. Indeed, the Lord will comfort Zion. He will comfort all her waste places, and her wilderness will be like Eden, and her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the sound of melody. Now Genesis chapter 2 and verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden. And there he placed the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord caused to grow every tree that is pleasing to the sight and good for food. The tree of life also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river flowed out of, the, out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it divided and became four rivers. And now verse 15, then the Lord God took the man and put him into the garden of Eden to cultivate it and to keep it. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat freely, but from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat from it, you will surely die. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence by the power of the Spirit. I also thank you for the opportunity you've given us to be in this house of prayer. I ask now that you would anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I ask you to anoint the hearing of this congregation that they might receive the word and that they might bear fruit in their lives. We ask this in Jesus' name, and the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to speak this morning about the homemaker. God is the original homemaker. As we talk about home this morning, I want you to realize a couple of things, and uh, you know this already, but it's important to be reminded from time to time. That a house does not make a home. You can have a house, but that doesn't guarantee that you have a home. 
There's a difference between the building, the structure that we call a house, the, the doors and the windows and the roof, the structure that uh, can house a family or uh, at times perhaps is just an empty shell. There's a great difference between that and what we call a home because a home is a place where there is uh, the warmth of family. There is the sense of belonging. There is the comfort of knowing that this is where I am safe. That this is where I belong. The poet said that home is that place to which you go, which when you arrive, they must let you in. Does everybody have a home like that? And uh, that's the, the simple uh, way of defining a home. It's the place where they have to let you in when you come. But really, God is interested this morning in building our homes. He's interested this morning in blessing our homes. And his interest is quite clear as Isaiah describes the will of God and the purpose of God. He gives us a promise here. And he says that the Lord speaks to Zion. That's the people of God. And he says to them, your life will be like the Garden of Eden. Your home will be like the Garden of Eden and like the Garden of the Lord. How many of you would like to be able to say, My home life is like the Garden of Eden? How many of you would like to say, My home life is like the Garden of the Lord? Some of you can already say that. If you can, say Amen. You know, to have a home that is like a well watered garden, a fruitful place, a place where there is abundance, where there is um, a growth where there is an increase that is a blessing from God. And that is God's will for your home. It is God's will for your life. I want you to understand that uh, every soul needs a home. The soul of man needs uh, to find, first of all, its rest and its home in God. When we look at the creation of the world, we understand that the Bible said that God formed Adam out of the dust. And then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. And when God had made this man and his soul within him, now God makes for him a home. You understand that Adam was created in a very dangerous world. God made a world with a burning, bright sun. He made a world with cold winters and and warm and, and hot summers. He made a world with beasts and animals that could devour. God didn't just throw Adam into the wild of this world, but he made a place for him. He created a home for him, a garden. And that place that the Bible calls Eden uh, is for us this morning the model or the picture of what God uh, wants to see in our home life and I believe this morning that we can address this in two parts. First of all, I want you to see the kind of home God makes when you come to him, when you take refuge in him, when you, took, when you put faith in him. God makes a home for you. But I also want you to see that we can learn from God about how to build our homes, how to make a home in the 21st century according to the pattern of God. First of all, we see this morning that God planted a garden and this place Eden and he placed the man in it. And the Bible says that he put within it every tree that was pleasing to the sight and good for food. The first thing we notice about the home that God made was that it was a beautiful place. 
It was a pleasant place. How many of you like beautiful places? Now, all of us have a different idea of what, what a beautiful place looks like. But God made for Adam a beautiful place, a pleasant place. Now, I imagine the Garden of Eden being cultivated. The grass was mowed. The, the trees were, were uh, trimmed. The, the fruit on the vines was ripe. There was a river running through the garden. There was a beauty uh, of tranquility and peace. It was a pleasant place, a place you would want to go at the end of the day. Do you know what God wants for you? He wants you to have an Eden to go home to at the end of the day. He wants you to have a pleasant place for you to go home to after your work, after your job, after school, after all the daily affairs of life, to go home and be in, in Eden, to be at rest in your place that God uh, has prepared and blessed you with. And this doesn't just refer to the physical friends, but it refers to the natural, in the natural as well as the spiritual. It was a place where there was spiritual peace, where there was spiritual tranquility. It was a place where there was calm, where there was a, a sense of uh, the, the effect of God's presence being there. And this is what God has desired and designed for our homes. Your home should not be a place that you dread going to. It should be a place that you love going to, that you enjoy going to. You know what there was in the garden? The Bible said there was food in the garden. How many of you like food? Oh, come on, you're not being honest this morning. How many of you like food? I'm going to come over to your house at Thanksgiving and see if you like food or not. There was food in the home. Do you know that God... Uh, created uh, in, in the nation of Israel, he created opportunities in, and feasts and festivals for them to come together and eat because it's important for the, for the home to have food, to have the fellowship of family, to break bread together. And when Jesus established the new covenant, he gave us a covenant meal. He gave us the bread and the wine, and we come together from time to time as a church, and we gather around the table of the Lord. And these things remind us of the fact that God is a family God, that God's not running a company. God's not running some kind of great enterprise. He's running a family. We call him Father. Listen, we don't call him boss. We don't call him master. We call him Father. Say amen, somebody. And that reminds us of the fact that God loves the family. God created the family. And he put within the garden food to draw the family together, to pull together those whom he was going to put in that garden through this family that he had made. You know how important it is for a family to eat together, to share meals together, and to do so without the telephone, say amen somebody, to do so without Facebook, without Twitter, without Instagram, without Snapchat. Nobody's going to say amen right now, but I'm just telling you that the family's falling apart in America because we don't eat together and we don't talk to each other anymore. And if you want to have a, a home that is like the garden of God, there's got to not only be food, but there has to be communication. There has to be fellowship. And, now, you know, at our summer school, our, our summer seminary, when the students arrive, I tell them, look, we're going to eat all of our meals together and you're not going to have your cell phone at the table. And for the first two or three days, they don't know what to do with themselves because they've never sat at a table and just talked to people. But do you know how important it is to just talk to the people in your life, to just talk to the person across the table and say, how was your day? 
And, uh, and what kind of conversations did you have and what did you learn? It's important for parents to talk to their children. It's for important for spouses to speak. And you know how important it is that when we're communicating, when there's food and, and there's fellowship, there is a bonding that's taking place. And this is so important to God that he puts it right in the original home that he made for Adam. That he puts it right in the original place that he put man. That's why they call it comfort food or soul food, right? Because when you eat certain kinds of food, it just gets to your soul. Isn't that, isn't that right? When you, eat the, the, when you eat a meal made by mama, somehow it doesn't just affect your natural man. It affects your spirit. Amen, somebody. When you eat a, a, a meal made with love, it has that capacity to do that. God cares so much about the family, about the home, that right in the first home, he put food. And then the Bible tells us that he put a tree of life. You know, the tree of life is significant. We often talk about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But what made Adam and Eve eternal beings was that they ate of the tree of life. There was a perpetual and continual returning to that tree. Well, the Bible refers to the tree of life many times. Proverbs 1130, it says that righteous living is a tree of life. Say that with me. Righteous living is a tree of life. Do you know that when you live righteous, there will be blessing in your home? When you live in righteousness before God, you will be, have blessing in your home. The, the, the fruit of a righteous life is going to be manifested. You see, when you are, uh, when you're living a life with, with, uh, with cheats and with lies and with, with tricks, then you always have to look over your shoulder. You have to always wonder, uh, what did I say last time? You always have to always keep things uh, uh, before your eyes so that you don't get caught. But when you are living in righteousness, when there's nothing to hide, when you have a, a heart that's pure before God and pure before man, it's a tree of life. Say amen, somebody. So live in righteousness because it produces a, a great fruit in your life. In your life, Proverbs 15, verse 4, says that a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Do you know that when you use good, pro proper, positive, and edifying communication in the home, it becomes a tree of life. It becomes a source of life for the family, a source of life for your marriage. Listen, your words are powerful. I told you last week, the Bible says that there is life and death in the power of the tongue, and we will eat its fruit. So when you and I speak, what we speak is going to produce fruit in our life. If you're always cranky and, uh, and always uh, um, mean in your words, and then you say, how come everybody's always cranky and always mean with me? You've sown, uh, and therefore you're reaping. You have to use your words to build your home. You have to use your words to build your family, to build your children. Because listen, listen, please. Focus real quick. If you don't build your family with your words, somebody else will. And those words will take them far from home and far from God. Be very careful, friend, because we have an enemy who knows how to use words. And you and I have to know how to use our words and how to use the word to protect the home that God has given to us. Amen, somebody. Otherwise, the enemy will come in and he will speak to the heart of the person in your home that you're not speaking to and encourage that part of them that you're not encouraging. It becomes a stumbling block and an opportunity for the devil. Proverbs 13, 12 says that a desire granted is a tree of life. 
when our desires are granted, when our needs are met as well as our wants, then they become a source of life to us. That is what God has put into the home. He's put within the home the ability to have all of your needs met in the emotional sense, and, and he's put within the home the ability to have your needs met in the natural sense as well. And he has put within the home those benefits and blessings as a tree of life. Proverbs 3.18 says that wisdom is the tree of life. How many of you have wisdom in your home? Do you know that wisdom is a tree of life? It's a source of life for your family. Oftentimes, the homes are, are not at rest. They're not at peace because we are reactionary instead of responsive. You know, there's a difference between reacting and responding. There's a difference between between wisdom and uh, and just blurting out what you're saying or what you're thinking. There's a great difference in being able to be led by the Spirit of God, by the wisdom of God's Word. And when you operate in wisdom, the 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 home will have this tree of life. You know something else? The Bible teaches us that Jesus is the tree of life. All of these other things I've mentioned are a tree of life, but Jesus is the tree of life. If you want to have life in the home, you've got to have Jesus in your home. Say amen, somebody. Jesus is the glue that holds the home together. Jesus is the medicine that heals the home. Jesus is the, the, the wine that brings joy to the home. Jesus is the peace that brings tranquility to the home. When I was a child, we used to sing with Jesus in the family what a happy home. Can I tell you, friend, it's still true today. When you have Jesus in your home, there's going to be blessing in your home. So, so take Jesus home with you today and don't let him out of your sight. Say amen, somebody. Every home needs Jesus. I don't mean you need a picture or frame of Jesus hanging on your wall. I mean you need a relationship with Jesus. You need to know him. When he's in the home, he's the tree of life to your home. The tree of life has fruit every day. That means every day you have a different need, but whatever you need is provided for in that tree. Some days you need peace. Some days you need joy. Some days you need provision. Some days you need health. It's all in the tree of life. It's all in Jesus. It's all in the cross. It's all in his blood. And uh, when, when we look at the, the Garden of Eden, we see this place of beauty. We see this place of, uh, of, of peace, this place of, of nourishment. And we see that God puts within it this tree of life. But then there was also a river that ran uh, out of the garden. And the Bible said that this river ran out of the garden and it went into four heads or four rivers. It became the four major rivers of that region. And these rivers, let me just mention them to you real quick because I want you to see how good God is. These four rivers, uh, their names mean, number one, increase. The second river means breakthrough. The third river means uh, acceleration. And the fourth river means fruitfulness. How many of you could use some increase in your life? How many of you could use some breakthrough in your life? How many of you could see God accelerate some things in your life? How many of you would like to be fruitful in your life? Well, you need this river flowing from your life. And this is how, how important this is. That when, when you have a home that is blessed by God, that is indwelled by God, where the tree of God, where the tree of life is, there will be a river flowing out of your home, and it will touch all the other areas of your life. 
Listen, there was four rivers. It went to the four, it went to the four major regions. Can I tell you that what comes out of our life, just like this river, it able, was able to impact all the corners of that region. What comes out of our home is going to impact our north, our south, our east, and our west. Your home life is going to affect the whole rest of your life. So you need to cherish that. You need to cultivate that. You need to uh, emphasize that because that is the place that God has established for your soul to rest in him and to rest in one another. Say amen, somebody. Number two, in the Garden of Eden, we see that there was responsibility. Uh, we see that in the Garden of Eden, God gave man a, a work. He gave him a responsibility. Do you know that a healthy home has responsibilities? A, a healthy home Every person in the home understands what their responsibility is. There's a responsibility for men in the home. God gave Adam the responsibility to cultivate and to keep the, the home. His job was to cultivate. That means to pull out the plow, to take, to take the tools and the instruments that he had available and to cultivate the gifts and the talents and the grace that was in that garden. And, sir, that's your job. That's my job in our home, to cultivate the gifts that are in our home, to cultivate the gifts that are in our family. Because when a father looks at his son and he says, Son, I see in you the ability to do this. I see in you the ability to go and accomplish this. Daughter, I see in you these things. But I also see these bad things that you need to deal with, these things in your character. He's bringing out the plow. He's, he's uh, taking his responsibility in that home. And God will honor that. God will bless that. But his other responsibility was to guard the garden, to protect it. Uh, brother, your job in your home is to protect your, your, your home, to protect it physically and to protect it spiritually, to be on guard against the wiles and schemes of the devil who would like to come into your house and wreak havoc. You've got to pull the word of God out, the sword of the spirit, and de defend your home, defend your house. And that means you've got to walk by the spirit. You've got to be discerning. You've got to understand what God is saying uh, uh, and what the Lord is, is teaching you about your home in that particular season. Because listen, every season of life, he's going to have different types of enemies, different types of, of strategies against you. But in every season, you can be a man who's got the authority of God's word in his mouth and in his hand to defend what God has given to you. I want everybody in here to say this with me. My home is worth defending. Now, I want you to put that in your heart. I want you to understand that. Your home is worth defending. Your home is worth your prayer life. It's worth your study of the word. Your home is worth coming to church for. Your, your home is worth your worship life. Come on. Your home is worth it because it is the blessing and gift of God to you. A lot of people would like what you have and don't. They don't have it, but you have it. You have it because you're blessed. You have it because God has favored you. You have it because God has shown you mercy. You have it because God has shown you grace. Don't neglect it. Don't just, don't just be passive about it. You defend what God has given you at all costs. Say amen, somebody. Then God gave responsibility to the woman in making of the home, in cherishing that home, in providing the warmth and the care that is needed for her husband and for children. And when these responsibilities are each kept and each are honored as God has given them, then you start to see that your home can be like a well-watered garden, that it can be like the garden of God. 
You know that God also gave responsibility to children in the home. They're responsible to honor their parents. They're responsible to be contributors to the home, to be a, a, a learner and then to be a contributor in the home is a responsibility of every child. And uh, parents, I just want to encourage you with this because we live in a culture where our children are being taught less and less responsibility and more and more privilege and more and more uh, entitlement. They think they're entitled to things. And uh, our culture is teaching people that we're entitled to stuff, that we don't have to work for it, that we don't have to be disciplined for it, that we don't have to invest or save for it. You've got to change that mindset in the home. Because when, when God gives man responsibility, he puts upon him the ability to do something that is good for your soul. It's good for you to know I'm accountable to somebody else. I answer to somebody else. Because, friend, when you think I can do whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, and I have nobody to answer to, you're a danger to yourself and you're a danger to your soul. Sooner or later you will corrupt that which God has given to you. It's important for every man, every woman, every child in the home to know I have an accountability. I have a responsibility to God and to my family. And if, if you will honor that, you'll see how that brings character development and how that increases your life and your blessing in the home. When we were growing up, my brothers and I, uh, if we earned some money, we were taught by our mother to take that money to dad. And usually dad would give it back to us, the couple of three dollars we had earned. But it taught us that we had to be a contributor in the home. Do you know we have too many takers today? Everybody uh, wants to just be taking, taking, taking. And the household of faith has to say, wait a minute, I'm not a taker, I'm a giver. I'm not, I'm not just going to take, I'm going to produce. I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to do what I can to change my, the world around me and to be a blessing instead of always wanting to be blessed. Say amen, somebody. Because the Bible says that God will make you a blessing. He didn't say you would, he would just bless you. I love being blessed. How many of you love being blessed? We love being blessed, but it's something bigger than being blessed. It's being a blessing. And being a blessing in the home is the first place that God wants you to begin. Number three, we see that God put into the first home relationship. First, Adam had relationship with God. He had communion with God. You see, friend, your soul will never be at home until it has found a relationship with God until you come to know your father, until you know, come to know your creator. This is the most important relationship in any life. Every other relationship, like these rivers that flow out, will be touched by your relationship with God. The absence of relationship with God will produce a, a deficit in your human relationships. But a, a relationship with God will produce a benefit in your human relationships. So cultivate your relationship with God. Talk with God every day. Talk with God every hour. Live your life daily in communion with God. Hear the word of God. Read the word of God. And meditate upon the word of God. And when you have your heart full, your soul full of communion with God, then your relationships are going to be blessed as a result. Your relationships are going to be blessed out of that relationship that you have with God. Listen, I spoke this week to a, a congregation of pastors. And pastors have the same problem that everybody in here has. That many times we give more than we have received. 
And you eventually, if you pour out and pour out and pour out and you give and you give and you give of yourself, out of your spirit, and you don't replenish that, you, sooner or later you're going to burn out. Sooner or later you're going to be dried up. So you've got to continually go back to the source of life. Continually go back to the source of water. That The spirit needs the water of God every day. And uh, because your, your children are going to be drawing on you every day. And your marriage is going to draw on you every day. And your job is going to draw on you every day. And you need to be filled so that you can pour out. And the Bible says that our cup will run over. So it's no, no problem with scarcity. God is not limited in how much he can give you and in how much he can pour into you. The problem is we've limited our connection with God. We've limited our connection to the grace of God. So we have to walk in faith every day and allow God to, to give us the grace that we need in order to be fruitful in our relationships. The second relationship God made was with, uh, was with Adam and Eve. Now we see the first marriage. And the home now has a relationship between a man and a woman. There is now that fruitful relationship that takes place uh, which is going to produce a family. And this relationship is hated by Satan and it is loved by God. I need you to know that. I need you to hear that this morning. Satan hates your marriage. God loves your marriage. So don't give Satan even an inch in your home. Because Satan will do everything he can to be the homebreaker, but there is a homemaker who wants to come and to heal and to restore and to repair and to bless and to increase your marriage so that it is like the Garden of Eden and so that it is like the Garden of the Lord. This relationship was created by God for your benefit, for your blessing. If you're married, this is for your benefit, for your blessing. The way that you're going to get benefit from that, like any other relationship, is when you decide that I'm going to serve my husband, I'm going to serve my wife. And when they decide, I'm going to serve you. That's that mutual commitment to serving one another is the type of relationship God created. God gave Adam and Eve different responsibilities so that they could complement one another, so that they could serve one another. And when you and I serve one another, we find there's blessing in serving. There's blessing in being a part of that relationship which God has created. You are not an island. You can't do this alone. You need the people in your home. You need the people in your family. And you need the people in your church family. Say amen, somebody. And the enemy attacks relationships because he knows that if he can divide, he can conquer. But you've got to make up your mind. Devil, you can't divide this. You cannot divide this because we belong to God. Because we have been called by God as a family. And he's going to preserve us and hold us together. And we're going to defend what God has given us. And then you have the relationship of children. And the relationship of the larger family that begins to develop as a result. All of these things are put into our life by God. Because he cares for your soul. He wants you to have the fullness of relationship. The fullness of relationship with him, fullness of relationship with your spouse, and fullness of relationship with your family. Number four, the Garden of Eden had boundaries. Everybody say boundaries. Do you know that God put boundaries in the Garden of Eden? And every home needs boundaries. I got one amen. 
Every home needs boundaries. It is important for, for man, for the soul of man, to know I'm accountable. There are limits. There are things that God does not allow. It's important for us to, to recognize that these boundaries were established by God for Adam. And listen, they were established by God before the fall. So boundaries are not the result of sin. If Adam needed boundaries before sin, do you think we need boundaries now? Absolutely. If Adam needed boundaries before the fall, we sure enough need boundaries after the fall. Because there is this sin nature on the inside of us that hates boundaries. And it will push every line. You, you know it. You've experienced it. The sign says, do not touch wet paint. And instantly there's little tingling on the tips of your finger. Mom says, don't come in this room. She can't help it. Little, little feet have to go over there and see what's going on in there. That's the, the nature of sin. But you see, God put boundaries in the home to protect the home and to protect you. And these are the boundaries that he, he has established in the home. He, first of all, he's put a boundary in marriage. The Bible says that marriage is sacred. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13, marriage is to be held in honor among all. And the marriage bed is to be undefiled. For fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. God has put a boundary around marriage. He's put a boundary and he said there's only one place for a man and woman to fulfill uh, their, their need for relationship and for sexual commitment. And that is within marriage. And to break that boundary is to open a door not only for the wrath of God, but for the work of the enemy. This morning, I just want to challenge you with this because uh, I pray none of you are, are involved in adultery or fornication. And if you are, I call you to repentance this morning in the love of God for the sake of your soul and for the sake of your family. But can I tell you there are two other ways that, that the enemy has allowed this boundary to be broken in homes. One is pornography. When you bring pornography into your home, you're defiling the marriage bed. You're defiling the sanctity of your marriage. And it needs to be thrown out because it is a boundary that God has established. And he wants that boundary to be kept for your soul and for your family. And then there is this other boundary, the boundary of the third voice. You say, Pastor, what is the third voice? There are two voices in your home that you need to listen to if you're married. There's the voice of your spouse and the voice of God. And oftentimes the enemy will bring in a third voice. That's the voice of a friend. That's the voice of an associate. That's the voice of somebody else that will come in and tell you, you ought to do your marriage like this. You ought to tell them this. You ought to handle your children like this. And they start getting involved between what is between you and your spouse and between you and God. And that voice, friend, will always bring calamity. Listen, I don't care if that voice is your mama or if that voice is your daddy. You need to be careful that no voice gets in between you and your spouse and between you and your spouse and God. You don't have to say, man, I'm not going to expect that right now. And I, I'm just telling you the truth. When you let a third voice into your marriage and you bring a third voice into your home, it creates problems. And this is a boundary that you need to say, wait a minute, this is sacred. We can get advice. We can get counsel. 
But we're going to do it from godly people. We're going to do it from uh, places and sources that we know are pure. And we're going to preserve our communication and our relationship between one another and God. Say amen, somebody. You need, a bo- you need boundaries for your children. Do you know your children need boundaries? Your children need boundaries. They need to know what's right and what's wrong. When you put boundaries in the home, you're establishing their character. You're letting them know there is a consequence for breaking the boundaries that we have set. That doesn't mean that God has called you to control or or to manipulate your children, but he has given you the responsibility to shepherd them, to shepherd their hearts, and to give them boundaries, and to say this is as far as you can go, and this is how late you can stay out, and this is how much money you can spend. And you also need boundaries for your adult children. Say amen, somebody. You know, a lot of homes, a lot of homes have trouble because the adult children come back. You don't have to say amen. You don't have to. There are no boundaries for the adult children. They, they, they have a job. They have a career. They go spend their money on whatever they want. And then when they need something, they come to mom and dad for money. Now I'm getting some amens. You say, what's wrong with that, pastor? What's wrong with that is that you're, you're, you're impoverishing mom and dad. I say, what's impoverished? You're making them poor. You can't go waste your money on things you don't need and then come take their money for things you do need. You got to prioritize your life. There have to be boundaries for adult children. Don't worry, adults. I'll get to you in a minute. I'll get to you in a minute. I'm just letting you know. And you say, Pastor, why are you talking about this? Because I hear it. I know it. It's in this church. It happens. It happens in our culture. It happens in the Hispanic family a whole lot. And I I heard this week, tragically, kind of in a funny way, but uh, somebody that was getting, who was uh, 32 years old or so, still lives at home and is getting married and can't drive. And I thought, Who's going to drive him to the wedding? (laughs) And who's going to drive the getaway car? What's going on in this country when we're raising 30-year-olds who don't know how to drive and don't know how to work and don't know how to live their own life? Friends, we have lost sight of the very basic things that God teaches in his word. These things bring trouble back into the home that shouldn't be there. And those troubles become pressure points in your marriage and in your home that end up creating tension. So you have to have boundaries for your children and your adult children. You have to have boundaries for in-laws. Listen. God God blesses us with extended family. He blesses us with in-laws. But they cannot dictate your life. And they cannot, you cannot allow the, the drama going on at their house to come to your house. 
Listen, if you have a well-watered garden, a cultivated garden, a garden with the tree of life in it, you have peace in your home, you have tranquility in your home, just because they're your cousin doesn't mean they need to bring those seeds and plant them in your house. Just because they're related doesn't mean they have to bring that trash and deliver it at your house. You've got to say, look, we have boundaries. And we're going we're gonna to protect what God has given us. We're going to protect this because when you, again, when you allow those things to come into your home, it puts pressure on places that don't need pressure. And there's a place to help extended family. There's a place to bless extended family. There's a place to do all of those things. And when you can do it in agreement as a, as a marriage and as a family, that's important. But there has to be boundaries have to be protections because God has blessed your home. And your home is a, a garden of the Lord. It's a place where he's doing a specific thing, a unique thing, a special thing. Watch for the seed that comes in and to take root in there because it becomes weeds that will destroy your life. God said to Adam, these are the boundaries of the trees of the garden you may freely eat. But of the one tree, the tree of life, pardon, the tree of, of the knowledge of good and evil, you may not eat. And Adam and Eve went and did the very thing that God had said no to. They went and violated the boundary. The, the proverb, the book of Proverbs says that when there is a fence between neighbors, it is a good thing. It tells us not to take it down without asking why was it put there. Don't take down boundaries before you know that why they were put there. God put that boundary on Adam and Eve and they took it down. And the result was wreckage and ruin, not just for them and not just for their children, but for all of the rest of us. You see, because what happens in the home flows out and it affects the rest of your, of your life. So you've got to be very careful to honor the boundaries that have been established by God. To honor those principles that have been established by God. And when Adam and Eve violated those boundaries, they didn't just lose Eden, they lost home. And the soul of man to this day is born homeless. The soul of man till today is born homeless, is born without a home. And the only time that you can be at home is when you have made relationship with God. When you have come to know God. When you have come into communion and fellowship with him. And so this morning, I want to invite you, if you say, Pastor, I'm homeless spiritually. I don't have a relationship with God. I don't know the Savior. I don't know the Lord. I want to invite you to come home this morning because I'm telling you, there's a Father who loves you and He's waiting for you. The, the front door is open. He's already put a table out full of gracious and delicious food for your soul. And He's waiting for you to come home. He's calling you. He's saying, Come. Come home. It's time to rest. It's time to be at peace. It's time to know the Father. And if you don't know Jesus this morning, 
This morning is your morning to say yes to him, to give him your heart, to give him your life. Because you see, Jesus died on the cross so that the homeless sinner who was lost and without hope because of the Garden of Eden and the failures of Adam and Eve could find himself right back in the middle of God's blessing and God's provision. God made a home for you by sending Jesus to the cross and paying the price to restore what was lost by Adam. And to today, if you'll say yes to Christ, God will receive you as, him, as himself, uh, as his own. And friend, even if you don't have a house, if you know Jesus, if you receive Jesus today, you'll have a home in the heart of God. You'll never be homeless again. You'll never be astray again if you'll say yes to Christ. For the families in this church, I want you to take a, a grip of this word this morning. What has God said? He said, I will restore the waste places. And I will make your wilderness like Eden. Listen to God's heart for you this morning. He says, I will take your wilderness. Your dry desert. He'll take, he'll take that home that's full of contention and strife and quarrels. And he'll make it a place of peace. A place of joy. A place of blessing. Only God can do that, friends. Say amen, somebody. Only God can do that. And that's God's heart for you this morning. He says, let me in. Let me, let me make your home. Let me address these issues and I will take the waste places and the broken things and the ruin and I will make your home a like the Eden of God like the garden of God he says I will comfort you with gladness with thanksgiving and with a song of joy God wants to bring a song back into your house God wants to bring joy into your home he wants he wants your home to be a place that when people walk in, they know this is the presence of God. This is the dwelling of God. You say, Pastor, that sounds too good to be true. It would be if we didn't have a God who could do the impossible in our lives. This morning, I want to invite you to stand with me. And I want to give you an opportunity to respond to the invitation that God is making to you this morning. If you say, preacher, this morning, I want to know Jesus as my Savior, as my Lord. I want to give God access to my heart. Maybe you've been to church. Maybe you have even were raised in church. But you've never given Jesus your heart. You've never made him Lord of your life. And what does Lord mean? It means that he's in control. That he calls the shots. And this morning, he says to you, come home. When you come home, it means they're going to have to leave certain things behind. But what you leave behind will be nothing in comparison to what he has for you. This morning, the heart of God is calling out to your heart because he loves you. You matter to him. Do you know that? You matter to God. You matter so much to God that he sent Jesus to die on the cross 
And he brought you into the house of God this morning so that you could hear this word and be reminded that there is a God who loves you, a God who cares, and a God who wants to save you. And this morning, if that's you, if you say, Preacher, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to come home. I want to know God is my Father. Right where you are, would you just lift your hand if that's you? If there's anybody out there that would say, I want to give my life to Christ. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I need him. I need him. Today, if you'll hear his voice, the Bible says, don't harden your heart. You may not get another invitation. Now is the acceptable time. So if that's you, just raise your hand real high so I can see you. I want to pray with you this morning. Here's the second invitation I want to make for every single family in this church. Would you just come into this altar? If you're here alone, then come in, in and stand in representation of your family. And I want you to make up your mind, God, you're the homemaker in our home. And you are our defense. And you are our protection. And whatever it is that the enemy has planned against us, we resist it in Jesus' name. And we declare that we will have a home like Eden and like the garden of God. Come on, Kingsway. God cares about your home. So make your way into this altar. Because the homemaker wants to come into your house. And he wants to heal what's broken. And he wants to build what's working. And he wants to take you from glory to glory. So that you can see his blessing in every season of your life.